Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 62, brought to you by Chef Notepad. Calculate your food costs and manage your recipes. Try that for free. Check it out on their website, Chef Notepad. Also brought to you by Suncoast Fresh, the ordering app. Access exclusive weekly prices and loads more. Check that out. So today we get to talk in Port Douglas to Chef Alistair McLeod. He is a fantastic guy. Thank you for that, Scarlett. He's got a couple of different cultures. He's got an amazing family story. You really find out where the depths of his talent comes from. He's got amazing children, amazing wife, fantastic parents, and he's loud. He nearly talks all the time, but he is truly a great human being. I'm proud of calling my friend Alistair McLeod. Sit back and enjoy this one with Alistair McLeod. Alistair McLeod, welcome to the broadcast. Graham Twain, as, as I, I live and, and breathe. breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Some people say hello to each other, yeah, yeah. but that's how we greet. That's our salutation. <laughs> I thought that might be with everyone. You just do that with me, is <laughs> it? Only with you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> as I live and breathe. Yeah, yes, uh, it is very good. That that's, uh, that's uh, I feel really, really special now. I thought that was like your thing you said to everyone, but yeah, awesome. So, mate, we see each other around the trap. Mm-hmm. You're on telly every time I turn it on, cooking up something more recently with your little daughter. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you're out in the, on a billboard when I go see farmers out the, the, on the bloody scenic rim there. Yeah. And, um, you know, then I find you in some weird magazine and a farming tractor magazine. Uh, yeah, you, you're yeah, just yeah. Uh, popping up everywhere. Yeah, you used to be on Ready, Steady, Cook. Get ready for that challenge. And um, seeing, seeing <laughs> With you, what? Seeing you everywhere. But, you know, um, what, what are you? You're a TV presenter or you're a chef? Or what, would you, what do you call yourself these days? I'm a cook, uh, Graham Twine. And, I mean, uh, my number one thing is just to go straight to the spruik. I, I have a catering business. And that is most definitely my, my number one focus. Um and all, all the other stuff, whilst it's a lot of fun, hopefully all funnels back into the catering business. Um, it's, I've probably had the, the good fortune for about the last maybe 16, 17 years to do media of some such. I remember driving over the Story Bridge every day from my house at the time in the south side and we went to uh, 4BC when 4BC used to be in the city just near where... Oh, Lat, what was Brad Jolly's place there? Lat, Lat, anyway. La, sorry, la, sorry, Brad. La Cuna <laughs> Batata? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they used to be right in the city, and I used to go in there every week and talk to John Miller, the dearly departed John Miller and Ross Davey, and it, we would just talk about food. The person on before me every week, Graham Twine, was a fellow called Peter Beatty, and the fellow on after me was a fellow called Justin Lepich from the Brisbane Lions. Every week I met Peter Beatty for the first time, I would say, hello, I'm Alistair from <laughs> Brett's Wharf, where it was at the time. Justin Lepich would say, hey, that, that thing you were doing on Thursday, did you catch up with Graham Twine? Did you do He remembered, you know. Really? Um, Lovely But that was skill. a wonderful experience to do uh, uh, live radio, um, you know, going from some sort of world crisis to talking for four and a half minutes about, you know, fruit and vegetables or seafood or a cooking technique and then going on to, to sport. And I, I, I did that for about five years. Um, I did a show that was on Channel 10, which preceded Big Brother, I think it lasted two seasons, called Click On 10. And they had a, as most shows started to do around, they had some sort of cooking segment. And and they were just whipping around all the chefs all around Brisbane. And then they came to Brett's, and I made it very easy for them. Always had everything ready, was always on time. And, and I said, we, we could do two segments while you're here. I've got two things ready. And they would go, that's great. And then, 
it sort of and their circle got smaller and smaller and they just kept on coming back to us and I would do that for do that for a couple of years. And then I did Ready Steady Cook. You know, but all the while whilst that that's sort of running in in tandem in concert with being at the coal face. And just, just to fast forward to today, you know, with, with the catering business, I mean, I feel like I'm skipping school for those people who are playing at home. Today is a Saturday in uh, broadcast land. And, and we've got a gig tonight in Brisbane. I'm not in Brisbane as we speak. I feel like I'm dogging school. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I really do. It's still very, I, 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 for many years as part, being involved with restaurants, I was working, I had the opportunity to work on the business and product development and just, you know, I was much more over the business, whereas now I'm deep in the trenches. You know, I, I would, you know, clean the loos and change the light bulbs. Um, but I, I, in saying that, I'm sort of jumping around here. I've never enjoyed my cooking so much. Um, so yeah, I'm a cook, I'm a chef. The reason I say I'm a cook, um, just to really... Uh, uh, I, I'm going to describe you. Mm. You're, you're confused. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, is I worked, I, there was probably a period in my life that I could sort of identify was the bit that crystallized for me. This was, you know, a vocation. It was, it was a career rather than just a job. And, and there, was a, there was a whole series of sort of, a, bit, a period of about two years. And, and just one wee sort of story from that period was in the Languedoc Roussillon down in southwestern France and in a wee town called Collioure um, on the Mediterranean. And I went into this hotel called La Frigate and said, yeah, have you besoin d'un chef? Do you have a need for a chef? And I met Monsieur Yves Costa and he interviewed me and talked to me. And then as I left his office, he, I got the job and he said, just remember, there's only one, you know, with an expletive, there's only one chef in the kitchen. That's me. You, cuisinier, cook. You know, chef is chief, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a cook. I'm a cook. Um, but there was, the, there was an, just in that period of time in, in France, I remember I worked in the, the Fou de Bois kitchen, the wood fire kitchen, and the, the head chef, his name was Franck, Frank, to you and I, and Franck <laughs> said, let's go and get some wood for the, the wood fire, right? And I went, yes, chef. Probably said, we, chef. Went down the stairs, took my clogs off, took my whites off, got my shorts and T-shirt on, and we went out to get the wood. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, what, chef? He said, you just, you changed out of your whites. And I said, yeah, yeah, we're going to go and get the wood. And, and I, I knew what I was doing, uh, Graham Twine, and it was, I was taking my whites off because I probably wasn't proud to be cooking for a living. To You're be perfectly right. honest with you. Okay. And he said to me, put those whites back on. Let's go get the wood. And he said, and you stand up tall. And he sort of read the situation there and then. Yeah. Um, you know, and. I wonder where we're going, but I get this now. This is and good. It, it was really, and, you know, and if you cook in the UK, I mean, this is broad brushstrokes here. You're probably, you're, you're not in the service industry. You're servile. Probably, maybe not so much now. And there's a very much upstairs and downstairs. Mm. Whereas in France, I mean, it's venerated, you know, that the, the light is shone on the cooks. Um, maybe I like that. Um, and then coming to Australia, um, uh, you know, it's very egalitarian, you know, there, there's, there's a bit of tall poppy and stuff, but generally there's a real sense of, of equality across across society. Um, but at that time, I, 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 I just, and I, I remember my father saying to me, you know, 
over a, a period of many years, when are you gonna, when are you going to get one of them real jobs? And it hurt me, you know. Um, but it still nagged at me, you know, that, you know, because it, it, it uh, you know, academically, I had sort of, I had chosen to, 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 to not pursue that. Not necessarily because a lack of, a lack of brains, just a lack of application, you know. Um, and you know, I can see myself now as a father. Um, you know, you would still, you know, if if you pursue your education to this level. You have this many opportunities. You pursue your education to this level. You probably have more opportunity again with broad brushstrokes, and so yeah, I don't have any regrets. Um, but it took it took quite a while. It was there. Uh, it was having races with uh, Giovanni at Da Giovanni in behind Porta Nuova train station in Torino in northwestern where, what, Italy. What period of this of your life? Where, where, where oh, ninety four, ninety five. Okay. Um, Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's, um, let's hold that there for one second. I, I want to backtrack because I, I, you're, 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 you're an Australian, you're, you're this, you're, you're, what, what is your nationality? Where were you born? Like, give me that stuff. I'm a, a Belfast boy. I was born in Belfast, Northern Ireland on Armistice Day, 1969. Well, that explains the accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was born to an Australian mother and a, and a Belfast boy. My father, who you know, was—he should have been—he should have come here, you know. Never did. Ah. Gives me the the Edgar Brits that you know, and he he loved it, but just he was a Belfast boy. And there's some people who can't wait to get away and and want to, you know, and not to cast aspersions. And but he was a Belfast boy. And so my mum was born in this uh, in this part of the world where you and I are sitting now, Graham. I don't know if we've identified that, but we're in North Queensland, and she was born in Cairns. Um, went to St. Monica's. Um, and her father, my grandfather, Thomas Aloysius Guevara, was born on Thursday Island, right up at the very tippy tip, you know, uh, another sort of uh, an hour and 20 minute flight north of where we are now. And that sort of ancient archipelago that, you know, there's as little as, you know, 200 kilometers between the tip of Australia and New Guinea. Uh, and so he was brought up there. Uh, uh, so he was born there, I should say, and then brought up on Arab on Darnley Island, which is another 40 minute flight to the northeast sort of, you know, Port Moresby, if you sort of stand on your tippy toes in the distance. Um, and he moved back to TI and met my nanny, I Ivy Agnes uh, Hoffensetz, and she had a lolly shop, a confectionery store on TI. And and they fell in love. And TI's Thursday Island. Yeah, Thursday yeah. Island, yeah. yeah. And, That's what they call it. And they, uh, uh, you know, were simple people, you know, uh, and they... You know, as opportunities, sort of, the, the pearling was sort of, uh, you know, diminishing. And so they moved to uh, Cairns. And that's where my mum and her brother went to school. And then my mum was sent to board down at uh, Leward Hill, which is where my two older girls went to school, Leward Hill and Hawthorne. And then eventually her mother and father, my pop, my nana and poppy, followed them down uh, to Brisbane and... And so my mum was a singer, Graham Twine. She was, <laughs> I mean, and I, I mean, a great singer. My mum's still going. She's 82 and lives near us. She lives 100 metres away, pretty near us. And, <laughs> and I mean, has this great sort of chocolatey, honey, jazz voice. And she, uh, you know, was one of the first women, uh, indigenous women, 
uh, uh, to sing in the Opera House in 1974, 1974, 1975, something like that. Um, she had a TV show on Channel 9, maybe six, Channel 7, doesn't matter, uh, called In Key in the, the sort of the mid-60s. She, her boyfriend used to be John Bloody Laws. Um, John Laws, the yeah, golden market fan. Extraordinary, ah. And not that you'd be skating about that, you know. And so she... <laughs> We've got black mark friends yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, very nice ones. Yeah. And you have that same sort of mellifluous tone, though, Grim Twine. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm challenged yeah. by you today, I have to tell you, okay? Scarlett just wrote down, speak louder, Dad. <laughs> so I've got a bit of a competition here with you to, to get uh, my manhood back. You're the, it's like you're interviewing me today. I'm no, like, no, no, no. I'm loving the story, <laughs> no. but it's... Um, it's great. Um, this is a very different golf swing, i got to say. But so she, so then she decided that Australia was a, a too small a place at that time and she did a lot of touring, singing touring, out in, you know, the South Seas. So this is before you were born? Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, sort of yeah mid-60s. Yeah. And, you know, out in Tahiti and Rarotonga, all out there, and then up through Asia. And she ended up in the UK. And when the genre of the day was, was cabaret, you know, dancing around the tables with her, you know. Yeah. And... And so, and she was working and living, I think, in the north of England in Manchester. And my father was an impresario. He had a club in Belfast. He used to also, this is a nice wee thing, I think. He he used to look after a fellow called George Ivan Morrison, Graham Twine. <laughs> and George Ivan Morrison um, sort of hit it big with his band, Them. And he dropped the George and he dropped the letter I. And so my father used to have to coax Van Morrison onto stage with a bottle of Bushmills because he's a curmudgeon bugger, you know. He still is a grumpy man, you know. Get on that stage, Van, get on that stage. And he, and, you know, incredible stories, you know. And he, in 1964, my father, Kenneth Donald McLeod and his business partner, who just died recently as well, my goodness, and Trevor Kane, in 1964, they brought the, the Beatles to Belfast, to the King's Hall in Belfast, 1964, their only concert ever in uh, Northern Ireland. And so he had a club uh, in, in Belfast and he booked this uh, sort of exotic singer, exotic looking singer. Um, that sounds strange. Sorry, mother, but I know you listen. Um, <laughs> uh, to, to sing in his club. And that was my mother, whose, whose name is Faye Guevara, but her stage name is Candy Devine. And wow. so he, he booked her to sing in his club. And I mean, Graham, this is like late 60s when everything was going pear-shaped in Northern Ireland, you know, when the British troops were moving in and there was just a real, more than just a simmering tension between, you know, the, the sectarian divide. But she loved him. Yeah. And, and he took her up around the Antrim Coast Road, up to the Giant's Causeway and round the, the Atlantic Way, round Donegal and... It mustn't have been raining that day or something, <laughs> but she fell in love with him and fell in love with it. And she, and she, uh, I was born in Northern Ireland, but they lived in Dublin till I was about five or six. She worked for RTE, Radio Telefisher, and the, the TV station there. And then she got the opportunity for a new commercial radio station uh, opening in Northern Ireland called Downtown Radio, which is still going today. And she worked for them for about 37 years and did television pantomime and did travel shows wrote so that's for the in the blood. Yeah, exactly indeed indeed mm. um and she spent her whole life and, and you know she because she's bigger lady mom and she's, <laughs> she's dark, dark. Oh, look, okay we'll leave that my <laughs> mom you're a little bit big too mom but she'll be definitely listening <laughs> as well uh, and she's got um you know colored skin and 
looks like she's from a faraway place. So in Northern Ireland then, it never occurred for them to ask her whether she was Protestant or a Catholic. She was just, she was Australian, didn't matter. Yeah. And so she cr- cr- uh, crossed the divide and, and you know, she's, she's a real woman of integrity and honesty and, you know, yeah, she's just universally loved. And, and so she was, I mean, she would be, to this day, one of the most recognisable people in the island of Ireland, extraordinary. And so my father, Graham, he passed away uh, uh, 10 and a bit years ago. And so and so she moved back. She, she's come home. She's come home. And so it's interesting because over there, I'm her son. But over here, she's my mother. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but there's there's another sort of another sort of bit in that tale about whether you're her mother or her son is my. I'm digressing. We can get back on track. No, no, uh, this is good. My, uh, I got. A, uh, uh, I yeah, got, here's my question. <laughs> I've got um, three girls. I've got a. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a 23 year old. I've got a 20 year old, and I've got a four year old. And so I've got two older girls, Bailey. Sasha and Bailey's just finished law and business degree, so she's she's on her way. Um, and then Sasha, and that that's the story I guess to tell you is so she's a, a, a an artist, an artist, um, and her band, her brand, her band is Psycho, S Y C C O. You don't need any more publicity, uh, no. Sasha Claire McLeod. <laughs> she she was like number 29 in the Triple J Hottest 100. Scarlett, you would know what that means. Yeah. Graham and I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, I did them Sunday afternoon listening to pardon. the Hottest 100. And she, um, and because of her uh, uh, indigenousness, um, as part of the Dreamtime round of the AFL, which is, happens every year, and because it wasn't held at the G this year, because of this Pandemic? You've been reading about this pandemic? Well, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. I think there was there was no. something in the paper. It's definitely it. not important. <laughs> yeah, it's not here. Is it? <laughs> I forgot about it. Bartender. <laughs> and so she, it was moved to Optus Stadium mm. in Perth, and she played to fifty-five thousand people with John Butler. We still pay her phone bill. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in terms of seeing some sort of, uh, 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 not. It, not frustrated performer, but a, de- a desire to, I don't know, to please, you know, there's definitely in there. It's definitely in there, you know, it's quite, quite, quite extraordinary. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, there's no doubt um, that, that, you know, even most cooks are in behind the swing doors for a reason, you know, they are miscreants. They are, you know, they have social, you know, that's, that's where they belong. Parrots. Parrots. But, but still, you, you peek behind those swing doors, and that's what you do with your broadcast, Graham, is they're all performers, for goodness sake, you know? They're all, <laughs> there's, there's this direction, this, this friction, this energy, this, you can feel the vibrations in, in a kitchen. You know, kitchens are hot, sweaty, bastardly places, and that's just the good ones. Mm. Um, and and something, there's, something, there's something in that sort of, in that pot there that, that there's some commonality, commonality in all those things uh, that, that really resonate with me and I, I really, really enjoy. Um, first and foremost, a cook, Graham Twine. To answer your first question, what's the next question? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, question one. Okay. 
Um, yeah, where do you put your Instagram posts up? Where, where do you? What part of the house do you do that? Your wife told me yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Myriad places. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I will answer you this way, Graham Twine. In the morning. <laughs> Enjoy your lunch, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so the old toilet, Texas toilet. Yeah, yeah. You gotta be careful with this Thank guy. Thank you so little. Thank yeah. you so little for that. Uh, what, what, you know, what, is, what inspires you to, to um, you know, what, what, what's your cause for this uh, beautiful business that you're doing? You're catering. That must be part of your personality is giving and generous and, mm. and abundance and all the rest. What, what's, what's the go with the business? Tell me a little bit more about the business and the, the people out there. Look, I think catering is... Being the cook of a catering business is probably right down there, with respect to being the cook. The perception is like cooking on a cruise ship or a prison or a hospital or, you know... Um, but it needn't be that way, and it needn't be in any of those areas. I, um, coming from a restaurant background for you know, you know, probably twenty-eight years before I started the catering, um, you use all those sensibilities and all those, all that discipline, all that learning, all that sort of uh, uh, appreciation for the craft of cookery, and you have to apply it in a slightly different way. Um, but I. I I, I really enjoy um, catering. As, I enjoy it for a whole raft of reasons. I, I enjoy it for um, giving me a bit more work-life balance. I, I know when the, I can choose which 100 hours a week I work, I'm sure you'd say. Yeah, 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 yes. um, I enjoy um, being in people's homes. I mean, I think Mark Twain said you can live, live for up to two months on a single compliment. And so, it, it is a, and so when you're in their home, you're not behind the swing doors you know, when you ask the waiter, say, did table six enjoy their meal? They go, yes, chef, they loved it, and they love you, you're awesome. But when you're in their home, there's no, there's no uh, layers there. You're, you're, you're right there, uh, you know, meters from where your guests are eating. And when they turn around and say, hey, handsome Alistair, they say, generally, yeah, yeah. they say, yep. <laughs> they say, that was really lovely. And what, what, But what do they say to you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the sushi. <laughs> and, and they say, that was really lovely, and... And, you know, cooking is a job that, you know, you don't need to wait for the, the quarterly report, the weekly numbers. You do, of course. It's a slim margin business. But someone says, hey, Al, that was great. You immediately know your place in the universe, you know. It, mm. it, there's there's a, a tremendous amount of uh, uh, job satisfaction that comes from, from, and it sounds a bit sort of uh, shallow or not, not vain, but just, you know, but it's actually, we all want, we all want sort of a validation for what we do. And people say that was really lovely. What about, uh, can I just jump in there quickly? How do you, how would you deal? Because I'm sure you've never got a complaint or, or anything ever before, but how would you deal with it? Oh, you I know? would own it. I would own it, Graham Twine. I mean, you know, you know, if, if you're using great ingredients, you know, that whole notion you can't polish a turd, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're more, way more than halfway there. And then the rest of the time, I mean, there's lots of elements to it, lots of moving parts, but you're just applying heat to stuff, really. Yeah. And so, as long as you're not... Particularly if you're transporting it in your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel, you know, if... You know, and really part of the whole sort of DNA, the, the charter of, of what we do is we don't do foams and dots and airs and gels and symphonies and trilogies. We don't cut <laughs> shit into rhombuses and parallelograms. And, 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 that, and I, 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 I mean... There's probably a place for it. I don't know. And so there's nothing, there's nothing aspirational about how we cook. So, I mean, and that's probably part of the catering 
what do they say? Good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know this means you've made mistakes and you've learned from them. Um, you know, I, I, we would cook food that, that delights rather than food that impresses. And so the difficulty tariff isn't really there. And so, yeah, you can still make the odd mistake, you know, with, it's more like stuff like, hey, did you pack the ladles? No, no, I thought you were packing the ladles. No, no, you were packing the ladles, you know, and then sort of, you don't have a ladle, but you know, you can, you can um, overcome that. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Soup's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was a visual track, kid, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, re I really enjoy that aspect of it. I enjoy the fact, and then from a sort of more business aspect of it, I enjoy the fact that, you know, the areas that traditionally the cooks control in, in any food business is food and labor. And, and there, that, that's the challenge. That's the things where things bleed out in your business. Um, food cost is, it can be a much more tightly managed thing with catering. So I know how many people are coming. I know how many people are on a low FODMAP diet. And, and you know, are, are vegans and whatever, you know. Um, and I know how many people are coming. I know how much labor, I know the sweet spot of how much labor to apply to that. Um, so it's a bit more controllable. Um, hmm. Question two, done, we're good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, how do you get yourself ready to, uh, when you're going on stage, the reason I ask this is because I, I haven't emceed much for a long time and mm. now I'm going to do it today and I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, what's the tip? What tip would you have for me? And I assume it'd be the opposite for you because I've probably got to lift myself up into some sort of position where you've probably got to calm down a little bit. Yeah? <laughs> it's interesting that. I mean, I've, I've worked with some fabulous people over the years who, you know, they're exactly the same off camera and on. People like, you know, Ainsley Harriet, uh, Rick Stein, exactly the same on as off. Uh, Gordon Ramsay, wow, drop those names, Al. Oh yeah, that's one of my questions, who have um, we worked with, but we'll get back to that. But then there are other people, not gonna name them, who are t terribly different off camera to on. Mm. And I think, you know, I think, look, uh, let me answer you this way, uh, is, you know, the food that I would cook for uh, Alfresco Catering, PO Box 73 Samford, mm -hmm. thank you, um, <laughs> would be the same food that I would cook in a cooking demo would be the same food that I would cook at home. You know, it, it, you know, it, it, you can't go out and cook as one thing and then go home and eat a toasty. You can, but you can't go home. It, there has to be a real sincerity and authenticity to what you're doing. And I think, you, you know, if you're doing, you we're talking specifically about the craft of, of being a master of ceremonies, you know, and I'm sort of answering you seriously, is the person you're am saying, well, they're the star of the show and they just need a little lift whenever they're turning something over in the pan and you can tell their mind's just gone to something else and you're reminding them, hey, you've got a hundred people out there looking at you. Your, your job is, is to, you know, is to, is to keep them on track, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I, can, I can see myself in the past um, being emceed and sort of, I think the MC has thought it was their show. Um, but I would always do a lot of work, homework on it. I'd find out, and, 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 and I'd have a couple of things in my head. I have a bit of, um, I, I create wee acronyms for myself so I can remember things. Wow, um, very, so let me get that and, Yeah, yeah, I can't even spell acronym. Um, but, <laughs> but I think you know what it is. I mean, and, and similar to you, Graham Twine, it, it's, it's your industry. It, it's the thing you're interested about. I mean, you know, going to food festivals or, 
going to cooking class. I'm a kid in a lolly shop. I, I, I love absorbing informa- information from other cooks. It's interesting, you know, um, you know, I, I, I shouldn't think that um, uh, Mercedes-Benz would call up BMW and say, hey, um, we've got a wee problem with our sat-nav. What do you guys do with, you know, the little thing, the blue wire? <laughs> and, you know, I was talking to um, Jake Nicholson, who I know you've had on, um, about a dish that he did with uh, beautiful Aura King salmon. And I just said to him, um, how'd you cook that? Can you tell me exactly how you cooked that? And he went, yeah, I did this, 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 and this. And watch when you do it this way and you have to think about, you know, there's that sense of fraternity, fraternity of sharing, of generosity. Is there a bit of ego? Sure, there's a bit here and there, but you know, not with the really good guys. They know they, they, they know what they're doing. And, and there's something about that. That's another whole, that's another whole sort of, a thing to put on the list about why this industry is is, is, a, is a fabulous thing. It's not, and, and you also have to get, there, there's a while, I guess, you have to, once you have the clarity to understand, it's probably not about, it's not going to be about remuneration, equal, equaling satisfaction. It might be, it might be, um, but it's about being around kindred spirits, people who are driven by, you know, fervor, by zeal, by passion. They're nice people to be around rather than people who are really worried about, um, you know, the figures last week. And all that stuff's important, but generally, you know, cooks, even those in very high-powered jobs, the thing that drives them is, you know, farmers, fishers, growers, producers, brewers, distillers, winemakers. And, you know, that, that, that sphere of, of, of that, that, that topic of conversation is endless. It's endless, you know. I mean, yeah, you yeah. you have this, you know, youthful. I'm not saying you're not youthful. This this uh, um, delight and wonder with what you do. I mean, your your industry, uh, you, your work is this ever changing palette of, of of seasons, just going off into the distance. You, you're never going to be there, <laughs> you, you, and, and it's a lovely thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the uh, you know the infinite. You know, you're always you know thinking of things that are miles and miles ahead. A little vacuum cleaner just going over there, yeah, kids. So yeah. don't stress about that too much. And cue the jackhammer and the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> little sound effects, just to sort of so it looks like we're real casual. Well, it means it's live, right? Yes, it yeah, does. Yeah. yeah. Um, mate, that is a an interesting life. You've done lots of things. Um, now, I know that uh, you have this beautiful four-year-old girl that I met yesterday. Four. Mm, yeah, yeah, four, yeah, 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 yeah. That must uh, just inspire you as well. Tell me about that. How she inspires you. She's a, a, an amazing girl. A <laughs> C- couple of things about her. Um, she, my wife, is a vegetarian, so we've decided that Clancy is vegetarian until the point where she, uh, you know, makes decisions for herself. And she gorges, you, you'll be delighted to hear this, Graham Town, gorges, you know, on plants, you know, and pulses and legumes and fruit, and she sleeps right through the night. And, you know, we... Um, we had breakfast this morning and she had like uh, uh, kidney beans and berlotti beans and chickpeas and cucumber and feta and olives. And she, she's always uh, at pains to tell me that she knows which ones have pips in them or pits in them so that she can eat around them and she can be trusted to do that. And she had lettuce and she had a nice sort of, really sort of lemon dressing on it. I mean, <laughs> it's very, it makes you very happy as a parent, right? You know, um, seeing your kid eat like that. And then... An interesting wee thing, you know, I, I do some work for uh, Channel 7 Queensland for a show called Weekender that's been going in various iterations for, for you know, a couple of decades, like a travel show. And so in the middle of 
last year, you know, that they, <laughs> the, 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 the travel wasn't able to really happen. And so they had, and I had done in the past some cooking on the, the show. And, and then they sort of went, well, it's not really a cooking show, is it? So we sort of stopped doing that. And I did a lot of food stories, got the opportunity to travel all over the state. And then, so last year they said, hey, do you want to do some, we'll just do some cooking at your house, you know, we'll do some cooking segments and you just tell us what you're going to cook. And we did two a day, you know, and they, they then edited it all down. And then sort of Clancy sort of started to sort of shimmy your way um, into the shot. I've and just written this question, does she get paid? <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, it, it, it's starting to give me the Edgar Brits, I don't mind telling you. Because, you know, I, I've been working with them for uh, like 14 years. And, and it's nice when people come up and say, like the show, lovely. And, you know, um, when you visited that place up in Mackay or whatever. But now they go, oh, Clancy's a great cook, isn't she? Oh, she's wonderful. <laughs> and it's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> and, and I have to inform them that it is, of course, good editing that makes her look like she's a good cook. Um, because she's four. Well, she's four. She knows how to tip the bowl towards the camera like you do in TV land. Yeah. And she knows how to taste and uh, always be gracious yeah. when she tastes. But well, we did a story just recently down in uh, the Scenic Rim, down in the Lost World, and, and the producer called me up um, and said, um, is Clancy available uh, for the shoot um, next week? And, and I said, well, uh, Sammy, I said, Sammy, I've looked through the script. There's nothing in there really for... You know, I can't really see anything. And she's all the same. I think we'd like Clancy to be there too. So I think she's a bit of a draw card on, on the television. <laughs> I've actually heard that. Yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah. that. I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that, let's say, in an elevator. I heard that. Yep. I overheard someone talking about that once. So um, I wonder if it, it will indeed go another generation. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, in, in all seriousness, I think it's really important. All that stuff. Her and I cook a lot at home, sweet and savory stuff. And... You know, having a bit more time because I can manage my time. That that that's a beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, and and we we live on acreage outside of Brisbane, so we we grow a lot of stuff, and we go down and we uh, uh, pick the chicken, get the eggs from the chickens, and we've got some Aracana chickens. So we've got those blue. Daddy, I got a blue egg today, and she'll pick you know brassica, which will which I'll wilt down and for something that night and she picks up the horse poo and you know she's she's enjoying a real sort of you know a simple sort of agrarian sort of wholesome, uh, wholesome experience you know and I suppose every parent's sort of aspiration perspiration uh, would be to make that make that bit last as long as possible because there's there's plenty of distractions in life um yeah she's 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 a remarkable young lady you know as as are Sasha and Bailey my older girls Good balance. I was hoping you were going to say that. Mm. <laughs> uh, yesterday we were talking a little bit about the, you know, all the stuff that you do and um, how busy you are, and that just support mechanism that you, you know, of, of family. Um, yeah. Yesterday you were you were talking about your beautiful wife, mm. and um, how important do you think that is for for people to to have and, and launch themselves into these careers that we're in? Yeah, I, I think you know, and especially cooks, and especially cooks, if there's media involved you know you can you can lose yourself a bit or start to believe it or, or whatever it might be um, but ultimately you know in my case my business is, is the most important thing um, 
And in that business, Ashley is does everything, you know, really. I, I, <laughs> my job's really quite linear, really, you know. I, I'm the not even the front man, but I, my job is back of house, right, in our yeah. job. And, and I do menus, I meet the clients, I order food, I deploy cooks, I cook food, I pack it, you know, deliver it, you know, do the jobs and go. And Ashley does everything else, you know, all the, the payroll, and bass, and, talking to clients with me and uh, organizing back of house. It's a real dance. I mean, it really, it's, 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 it, it's, there's a high labor component to, mm. to these businesses. Um, but she loves it. I, I, Ashley was a, a journalist. Um, she worked for uh, ITV in the UK. She uh, uh, was, <laughs> she was on air talent for Today Tonight in years gone by. And she was my boss up at Channel 7. Her, we did, um, we did two series of a show, uh, a dream show for a cook who chooses to cook the way I cook called Off the Eaten Track. Almost as clever as broadcast, <laughs> Off the Eaten Track. And it was it was a show, we did uh, two four episode seasons. Uh, it was funded by Didi or DPI at the time, or Didi at the time. And we went all over Queensland, shining the light on the real stars of the show. I mean, a, a wonderful opportunity to get close to the earth. And, and so she, she's very uh, uh, talented at, at, at managing, you know, at managing time and, and just all, all that stuff. And, and she'll come to me and say, how much do you pay for the silver beat? Because I think the silver beat was, you know, I think the <laughs> lamb shoulder was great, you know, a great, uh, uh, not support, but a great partner in life and, and in business. Um, and sh since Clancy was born, she wouldn't be do operational stuff as much. Um, but man, she keeps it tight. She keeps the, the business really, really tight, you know? And yeah, great. It, 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 it would not work otherwise, you know? And yeah. I'm sure you could say that for, for a, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, chef sort of chef owner businesses, you know? It's not even just looking after the home life. It's, it's not as, you know, that seems like a bit of a platitude that it's, I mean, it, it, she's deep in this business, you know, which is great. It's great. You know, we've, and we love it. We love seeing it develop over the last sort of eight years. It's a great thing. Apart from- This uh, must be the cleanest place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. Um, uh, in, in your kitchen, uh, quickly, uh, just a few little tips on uh, wastage, sustainability stuff. I know that should be a quick subject, really, and I, well, I know you can't even answer anything quickly, really. But um, mm. what what is um, some stuff that you might be doing there that you've changed uh, in the last little while to go, hey, from now on, we're not doing this? And not because it was uh, the law, we had to change the mm. paper straws or whatever. Is there anything that you're doing that might be a tip for other people? Look, I, I think probably I have an advantage over cooks in restaurants because they're going, hmm, I wonder how much I'll order. I wonder yeah. how it's busy it's going to be tomorrow. Oh, it's rained. Or... Um, uh, you know, there's a worldwide pandemic or there's a football match on that I didn't know. Um, with catering, I can keep it very, very tight. But I mean, I think it's really, I remember um, just keeping talking about these famous people, um, Maggie Beer and her sort of chef that worked for her with her product range, Chris Watton, uh, a lovely guy um, down in the Barossa, down in South Australia. And he, he said Maggie would come in and just tip the bin over, tip the bin over and go, 
Well, see that bunch of time. There's more than enough. That that could be in the stockpot, and those things, you know, the, this this appropriation of stuff. I mean, I think it is a lack of creativity, really. Ultimately, you know, we would if we have herbs that are flaccid. I don't know if you can say that on the broadcast, but herbs <laughs> that are, you know, not not reaching for the sun, we would char grill them, char grill them, uh, and then chop them up finely with mustard, cornichons, lemon juice, olive oil, and make like a charred salsa. Um, I think there's, it, it, it is really incumbent of us all to really think about that. I think, you know, a farmer could throw away 30% of everything that he grows, right? I mean, you'd know those stats mm. better than me. All his harvests say that we throw away, you know, over 20% of everything that we buy. That's like one in five trips to the grocery store. You just buy it and then throw it in the bin. I mean, it's bonkers when people say, you know, oh, it's really hard. I mean, I, I understand, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, it, I don't think it's a privilege to eat good quality, uh, fresh fruit and vegetables and meat. And, you know, uh, I think you just need to shop more carefully and really consider what you're doing. People open their fridge and say, oh, there's nothing there to do, you know, there's nothing there to, I need to buy more. And, and you know, um, you know, we, I did ready steady cook for, for about eight years. And there was, I, I remember I said to the, the producers one time, you know. Hold that there, I've got radish, egg, lemons, silver, cheese, what are you making? Radish, eggs, lemon, silvate, cheese, cheddar cheese. Radish. The swine. Right, eggs. I'll tell you what to do with the radish. All the, the cool kids, you know, with the designer beards, no offense, Graham Twine, would, would, um, <laughs> would shave radish into, into gossamer thin slices and just put them over stuff because they're pretty. I like to, with my radish, take the leaves off them. You know, ideally, when I get radish arriving in the kitchen, they arrive with the dirt still clinging to them and the green tops still on them. I keep the green tops, keep them for something else. I'll, we'll think about that. Um, and then the radish, olive oil, salt and pepper, and roast them. And they go from sort of ready to Barbie girl pink. And I, I've, oh, yeah. I've seen people at, at uh, jobs saying, can you roast radish? It's like, can I apply heat to them? Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, eggs, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just give you some ramblings and uh, you know how, you remember things and you're the, the, you're the sum of your parts. I remember at a place called the Ubiquitous Chip in, in uh, Glasgow, which I uh, worked in for a year. Um, Ronnie, it's still going to this day, um, 42 years old. And I remember just, I mean, this is just a simple wee thing, but um, it just makes me smile. And it's, just, it, it's, it's exactly the way I do this to, the, to this day when I make egg mayonnaise, right? So I cook eggs uh, in, in, for nine minutes and then peel them. Uh, I separate the yolks and the whites. I grate the whites. I make my mayonnaise. And then when the mayonnaise is emulsified and it's done its thing, I put the boiled egg yolks into the mayonnaise and you get this really tight, thick, uh, 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 yellow mayonnaise, if you like. And then I fold through the grated egg white, maybe some chives and some dill. No, I didn't give you chives. I didn't give you chives. No, 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 no. There's always things in the pantry. If we're doing many cities, there's always things. <laughs> that bloody pantry was never ending. And what else? Cheese, silverbeet? Yes. Silver. No, I mean, it's easy for you. Come on. I know, I know. Um, because, I, and you know, this is the way we would eat at home. We would cook like sort of little meze from things. A silverbeet, the way I would cook silverbeet, I know, I know this is not what you're asking me, is I separate <laughs> the green leaves from the stalks mm -hmm. and I have water that would have the salinity, almost like I've got drafts of ocean water, you know, really good salinity. And I dice the stalk and, and cook it in there until it's tender. If you don't cook it till it's tender, it will oxidize and go gray. 
So I cook it until it's oxidized and then I drain it, lift it out with a big sort of, uh, you know, whatever. So uh, in water? Yeah, in yep. large amounts of boiling water. So oh, that's the salty. So yeah, 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 sorry, I missed And that. then in a, in a, I lift it out with a colander and then in a pan that I've got some olive oil, maybe with some comfy garlic in it. What about some lemon? To finish it. <laughs> and then saute the stalks to basically drive the moisture out. I mean, when you put something like that into a pan and you see this uh, steam going up into the ether, that's just water, right? You take the water out, you'll concentrate the flavor. And then rather than refresh it, I lay it out in a tray and set it in the fridge. So I'm not sort of washing away that flavor. Into the same pot, I plunge the leaves, take them out. Uh, they only need a second in there just to break them down. And then into the same garlic oil, and then uh, put them on the same tray with the stock. And then I could use that for spanakopita. But just that with some lemon and maybe some uh, lemon zest, of course, lemon juice. Never use the lemon juice without the zest. Lemon zest, lemon juice, and uh, maybe some anchovies and some good olive oil. You know, it's, you know, I think, you know, we, we and I'm, I'm sort of, trying to distract you because I'm thinking about the bloody cheese. You've <laughs> 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 done well. He's, I mean, you know, we, we, you know, and that, that, that really makes me smile. That, that, that's a list that, that, you know, what, what, when I think, you know, we are beyond really, we're too privileged to allow ourselves the uh, eating, you know, uh, 150, 180 grams of protein for lunch and dinner seven days a week. You know, re really, we, we, we we need to eat way more plants you yes. know, and, and oh. way more vegetables, you know, and I don't eat any meat at home. I'm not vegetarian, Graham Twine, but because of uh, Ashley and Clancy, we don't eat any meat at home. And I, I um, it, it, it feels virtuous. It feels good. We're treading lighter on this earth. Um, it, it's not, it ain't sustainable. It's just ain't sustainable. And when you look at the great food cultures of the world, like Thailand and Korea and China and India, um, you know, Vietnam, these countries absolutely gorge on plants and have small amounts of protein, if at all. Yeah. And, and that's the way we should be eating when we have such a broad range of climate across this continent. You know, we, we have such a panoply of produce available to us. Uh, I, I, it's, I'll, I'll tell you a wee story. Um, I, a couple of years ago, I had a couple of cooks over for lunch. Those cooks were all up and coming cooks. Um, the up-and-coming cooks were Philip Johnson. Uh, the, up, the other up-and-coming cook was Richard Usby. And the other up-and-coming cook was uh, uh, Alejandro Cancino, who was from Urbane, the now dearly departed Urbane. He's, and he's vegan. So I had them all over for lunch. And, and so, uh, I mean, if I had guests over, I would always cook vegetarian, but I cooked vegan. And so we had, you know, lots of beautiful booze and lovely food and and Philip, who, you know, I mean, when I came here, I, I can re recall, the first meal I had was at Gillian Hurst's Indigo down in uh, Brunswick Street. Second meal I had was at Echo. And, uh, you know, I remember being blown away. And I, I spent a couple of minutes getting to know who was who in the zoo, Gillian Hurst, uh, Philip Johnson, Russell Armstrong, David Pugh. And then, and then I just forgot all that and thought, right, and defined out about the produce. That, that was the moonshot, that was the, that was the spirit of the time. Um, Philip Johnson, yes. And so then Philip called me uh, last year. So um, for his, he said, Alistair, uh, can you do my Christmas party? And I said, yes, Philip, that would be a, a real privilege, sir, a real privilege. I mean, really, 
I think Philip, I can't, cannot speak highly enough of him. He is the man in whose footsteps, as Brisbane cooks, we have fallen in his footsteps. He's the one who allowed us to get rid of tablecloths. He's the one who allowed us to get rid of fluff and frippery on the plate. Um, and, and, you know, to have, you know, uh, Remy Martin, gourmet traveler, 1997, sorry if it's wrong, Philip, it was 96 maybe, um, vote him the best restaurant in the country. And there was no tablecloths, God forbid. When I, I mean, when I came here, the top restaurants were serving stuff out of teapots and stuff with white gloves. And, and, I, and we're in the subtropics. It seemed bonkers to me, really. And, but anyway, so Philip said to me, can you do him a Christmas party? And I said, yes, Mr. Johnson, that would be a real privilege. And he said, and remember when you, came, we, when, when you had us over to the house? I want you to do all vegetarian food for my team. And so I went, went and did this gig for Phil's expanded, you know, Echo team. And, you know, cooking for his chefs, you know, doesn't bother me. It, it stresses me out cooking for potato farmers more that they see I haven't done silly things with their potatoes. <laughs> so cooking for other cooks is actually not a problem, you know? And so cooking for his front and back of his team who were an absolute delight, absolute professionals and cooking them all vegetarian food because he remembered that. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty cool that, you know, one of the chefs who remains at the vanguard, um, that's part of his narrative, you know? I, I think it's a good thing. And I think we're seeing a much greater uh, uh, you know, celebration of stuff, things that come from on top and beneath the earth on our plates. And rather than people judging the dish on the big lump of protein. Yeah. Big digression, once again. What about the cheese, eh? What do we do with that cheese? I don't know. It's a bloody omelette, man. What are you talking about? Look at that. You got... Yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> it's an omelette you've <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I really like the silver bait idea. Mm, yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. And, then it's, and it keeps, because you've sort of like, you haven't confied it, but you've almost preserved it. It's got a lot of oil in it. It's very mm. sort of, it's got a very sort of Moorish feel to it. Keeps really well and you can put it, put some feta and maybe some, currants that you plumped up in verjuice through it to give it this dance of, of sour and sweet and salty. Um, you can make the spanakopita, as I said, but it's lovely. It's really lovely. You could um, put it in a tart shell, put over a, you know, a bit of egg and cream and make like a quiche, because men are eating the quiche now, Graham Twine. I heard. Yeah. I heard. Mate, um, what, what, what advice have you got for young punters coming in? Um, we'll wind up because this vacuum cleaner is killing me. But, um, um, yeah, I want some advice for young punters coming into this game. And I'm going to ask you as well. I'll ask you a few questions at a time. Mm. might be easier. And also, who do you think are the, the young and upcoming in the game already? But then why, why should be kids want to come into this beautiful career as being hospitality? Two questions in one. Yep, yep. Um, I think, you know, and I said it earlier, it's a job driven by zeal and fervor. It ain't by remuneration. And you have to go in eyes wide open, I think, and have expectations of it not really being about dough in, in, in large parts. Um, no. I, think, I think the conditions in which, you know, uh, the younger cooks are now having the opportunity to learn in is a much more sustainable model that, than I had as a cook, you know, and I, I really don't su subscribe to the in my day thing. I think it's just totally irrelevant. I, I, I think, you know, all that bombast and, and, and bluster is just it really has no place. Guilty, you know, myself, um, but it really has no place. And I think the environment is much more conducive for uh, 
I, I think, you know, our best days are still ahead of us and the future is, is bright. And I think uh, if you had asked me the same question 20 years ago, I might sort of go, oh, really do your homework. You know, really, mm. really study and, and, you know, give yourself greater, uh, you know, greater opportunities. Um, but no, I would say it, it's, it's a worthy vocation. And I think, you know, media has something to do with that, something to do with it in terms of the respectability of it. But it also sort of flattens it out, really. You know, you, you can't see, like when you watch you know, a fisherman on a boat on the TV, you can't see how big the swell is, you know? You can't, when you're looking at, you know, a hot day in the Torres Strait on the television, you can't really see how hot it is or how many flies there are. It sort of flattens it out, you know? Um, and so media and, and, and television, you gotta be a bit cautious of that. But it, it has to be a real consuming passion. And it may, it may not twig for you straight away, and it certainly didn't for me. It was definitely a job up until a certain point and where there was the, the, the clarity. And maybe it, it you know, I chose it, it chose me. I, I think it's just, I, I, I really enjoy it. And I, I've never enjoyed my cooking so much. I'm 51, I've never enjoyed the craft of cookery so much. I'm still very engaged by it. I still, you know, love getting together with other cooks, you know, painters get together and talk about the price of paint. Cooks get together and talk about food. And I, I really enjoy that company. Um, I, I, you know, I think the, the you know, and the other, the other sort of players in it, like yourself, Graham Twine, you know, people who are really uh, uh, advocates for the industry and, and, and just, you know, demystifying as much as possible. Um, there, there's so much information out there. There's so many uh, other opportunities that you can yeah. do with the craft of cookery than just, you know, be standing on the line in a restaurant. Um, you know, one person that comes to mind is Dominic Rizzo, and I know you've had her on the show, you know, and she's been a restaurateur, she's written books, she's done television and radio and print, um, and she's done cooking schools, and it all still speaks of the same passion, but it, it, it you know, I, I suppose there's, there's a need, a necessity, uh, an imperative to learn the craft and learn the core skills. But I think you, you can, you know, and it, there's also no barriers to it. Let's say you were allowed to travel, right? <laughs> you can lift your, your, your chef's tunic and your knife roll, and there's no barriers. You know, if you said, uh, here's the thing, if you said, I want to be the chef of a cruise ship um, in, in five years, you would have to get clear on what, what are the, the, the barriers, what are the, 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 the skill sets I need to navigate, uh, to have. And you could be standing at the five-year mark, about to take the job as the chef of the cruise ship and look back and see that you tick them off. But if you said, you know, I really want to be uh, the lead singer of the Rolling Stones, um, there's, there's a bit of luck there involved. You know, you could do all the things, all the steps necessary to give you the best possible opportunity. Um, but then there's just that little bit of luck, isn't there? Whereas I think with cooking, you know, and especially in Australia, I still think, you know, if you say, I want to open a 40 seat restaurant, even if it's crazy, or I want to open a little cafe or a food truck, or I want to be the executive chef of a big hotel, there are no barriers to stop you achieving that um, other than your desire to want to do it. I mean, and that, for that, in that sense, it makes the industry very dynamic to me. And the other aspect is, I mean, is, and it's really, it was highlighted to me in this last 20 months, just how dynamic and what a sense of vitality there, in, there is in this industry. Like people have been able to, to, to move their businesses to, to, to meet a demand, to think how possibly could a restaurant like Oh, I'll mention Phil, as we just talked about him. How could a restaurant like Echo, you know, that people go to celebrate, you know, their loved ones, their anniversaries, their to-do business, could then still 
continue to, maybe not thrive, but survive throughout a pandemic shows the, 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 the resilience of, of, of the creed of the cook. Uh, I find that really, really inspiring, you know? I mean, and just listening to the broadcast, listening to the similar similar mm. stories from cooks, I mean, uh, they're a real, uh, a primal bunch who are, who are really, you know, they're, they're driven for all the right reasons. I and mean, that's, I find it really inspiring. Mm. Who's the up and coming person in the game at the moment? Ah, oh, these young kids, though. Those pissies. We're not handing the buttons over yet. I think that the young kids coming through are probably these mixologists and these bartenders. I don't know. I mean, I mean, there, there's some great, great cooks. I mean, some great cooking happening in, in Brisbane, Australia at the moment. You know, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, is I mean, do you call people like that Williamson fellow? What's his name? Williamson, the huh. Ben fellow. <laughs> I mean, he's still a whippersnapper, yeah, isn't he? He is, though. He is. I mean, you know, and you look, and he's people like him, that Ben are. They're just getting started, you know. <laughs> they just are, that, that is the yeah. that is the thing with this game. You yeah. actually don't really get to your sort of ground. I'm going to do some talking now because I haven't talked for the whole podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, you, you get this thing where you just get your feet. It's and it's a, it's the same with life. Like I'm I'm also not quite fifty, and and uh, yeah, life just sort of fall, falls into place a little yeah. bit better. And um, yeah. Uh, so Ben Williamson, that's who you've put as a young and up and coming. Mm. And you know what? I agree with you. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get you mm. to answer a question with one word, okay? This oh, is a challenge, stop. okay? Gonna, I'll start off easy. Favourite drink? Martini. Just left a little pause there to see if he had anything to add. No. Um, what, uh, if you weren't a chef, what would you be? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Buzz. Don't know the answer to that. I really don't know the answer to that. <laughs> you couldn't do it, could you? It's consuming passion. I mean, it's it's from the moment you wake up in the morning. Not in this really neurotic sort of a way, but it's it's really, and it can define you, which is a bad thing, really. You know, when you're you you have this sort of like guilt when you're not working and stuff. Yeah, I don't know, Graham Twine. I'll call you next week and then you can sort of edit it in. Yeah, radio. Um, let's say a few things. Um, you'd be a doctor. You were, no, yes. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. McLeod. Easy question. Uh, maybe not easy, actually. Favourite fruit? Mm, this time of the year, watermelon. Okay. Well, you know, you said this time of year. I said just one word. Sorry. Vegetable. <laughs> Favourite? Potato. <laughs> Fiddly D. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, any, are you reading any good books that are super inspiring that you recommend for people out there? Oh, lots of good books. Um, the, the last book I bought was on eating meat by Matthew Evans. And he speaks of just, you know, that whole, not to demonize eating meat, but just, you know, to in, inform and illuminate and, and really reset and, and just this sort of reckoning on the challenge of, of, of feeding the earth and, and uh, that's a bit deep that, you know, but, no, no, but, but I, that's it, really good. But I like feeding it. us and, and, you know, uh, getting the meat we deserve, you know, it, it, we consume like 75 million chickens each year in Australia and we want them to be, you know, white, bland, pale, you know, that's, you know, I can hear people in, in years gone by at, at the seafood restaurant saying, which fish is the least fishy? And you know, it sort of makes you a wee bit sad. I know what they mean, you know what they mean, but it's sort of, um, so I think 
that's, I find that in terms of, you know, you get drawn to sort of information and there's so much information out there, but I find that that sort of, uh, uh, the sensibilities of, of seeing how we can just, I think there's a sense of duty and responsibility if you're a cook uh, and in the business that you're in, Graham Twine, to when you're opening your mouth and you're in this realm, this this media, this, this and you, you know, you've got followers, you know, you can't be a leader if you don't have followers and you have followers and you have a, a, an opportunity, when, uh, the responsibility, I should say, when you open your mouth to, 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 to talk sense and, and, and you know, the, the, the zeitgeist is not, you know, uh, I, I notice that when I do cooking demonstrations, people don't say, did I say this earlier? They don't say, how'd you cook that, Alistair? They say, where'd you get the ingredients from? Mm. There seems to be a greater there's there's a maturing of the food narrative in Australia, you know, the proliferation of, of farmers markets and just information. People are hungry for it. I mean, you give them a lot of information, Graham Twine, but there's it, it's it's uh, I, I think that's a very good thing. I think that people are, are, are wanting to be more informed, want to change their golf swing slightly. I mean, 40 percent of everything we buy retailers with two companies, which isn't very healthy. Um, you know, we still import up to you know, 73, almost 75% of our seafood. I think if you take into account tinned fruit and vegetables, it could be up to 50%. I mean, it's, 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 it's wild. We've, we've still got work to do. And I think, you know, I think a, a lot of it comes down. I'll, I'll, I'll just give you this one last thing. It's, yeah, no, it's okay. sort of timely. Is that they say that 93% of people who've succumbed to the pandemic, that 90% of them, 90% of the 93% have had a pre-existing condition which relates to what they ate. So things like cholesterol, diabetes, hypertension, which means we're not well. We're not well. There's this so much food information out there. There's so much profoundly good produce out there. But there's still work to be done, you know, and how do you flick, and, and, they, and it's suggested that if the pandemic had gone, I'm sounding like Pete Evans here, um, that they're saying that if the pandemic had gone through in as, as late, as, as, most, as recently as 1975, it would have been no, but no worse than a bad flu season, you know, and what is the injection? Uh, what is the, uh, uh, the, the jab? I'm not telling you how old I am, even though I have, I had AstraZeneca. Um, it's an immunity booster. What is eating food that is produced in a regenerative, restorative, organic, biodynamic way? It's an immunity booster. There is a direct link, of course, between what you eat and how healthy it is. It's so bleeding obvious and cooks guilty of it as well. In the past, we're always going, they're here for a good night out. I'm going to use loads of cream, loads of butter. and Get you know. them pissed. Whereas now, it's, it, there really is. There's a, a, there's a mood. There's a movement. You know, Alana Sapwell will be another chef to speak of who, you know, really part of her in equal force with her food story is this story of sustainability and and uh, consideration for what you're eating and where it's coming from. Uh, that's a that's a great place to be at. And 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 so in that sense, the future's in good hands. I love that. That is awesome, and uh, that's a that's a, a lovely way to to wrap up. And what we finished? <laughs> well, we can go, but I think you've got to go run on stage. We're at the uh, the. Uh, Taste. Uh, uh, you've, you've got four minutes, actually. Four minutes, okay. 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 Last thing. There's yep. a billboard. Nothing's on it. You get to write something on there. Profound to change the world forever. I'm going to give you three billboards in a row. One, two, three. When you're driving along the highway, you've got three things. What are you going to write on there? I've already said it a lot of times today. Tread lightly on this earth. Tread lightly. And, you know, this is, oh, this is this joint where we live, right? Tread lightly on this earth. Beautiful. What's the name of your um, catering business? Alfresco Catering. My name's Al. It's fresh. <laughs> it's by and large. It's a company. Not great, but that's it. Beautiful. Box 73, Sanford. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for being on the broadcast. Thank you, Graham Twine.
Pleasure. Thank you, Scarlett. As I live and breathe. As I live and breathe.